Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Come back with a joke. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. In a new interview ahead of his spaceflight, Amazon founder Jeff Bezos said that he'd been dreaming about this for his whole life. Of course, in his dream, he ejects from the rocket and then it crashes into an independent bookstore. <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> yeah, last hour, Bezos went up and came back down along with uh, his brother and some 18-year-old who's got a rich dad and some old lady. They all uh, went up into space. And some old in- ladies? It's one of America's female astronauts who never got into space. Hmm. It's an awe-inspiring story, some old lady. I stand. Why I oughta. I stand with my awe-inspired. Uh, <laughs> having you, having uh, just heard the details. There you go. All right, so I'm here. But Bezos went up, came back down. Everything is fine, and there you go. So time mar- marches on. Yeah, and you can find the video at armstrongandgetty.com soon. If you don't know how to find, like, the most popular news video of the day, go to armstrongandgetty.com. Got another great creeping socialism story for you in just a few minutes. If you're into all that whole deal, as we just become more and more like socialist countries, and there's no voting on this, there's no, there's hardly an even discussion about it, but more on that in a minute. And if there is voting on it, it's in a reconciliation session, whatever that is. All of a sudden, you don't need a... Well, anyway. So Gavin Mussolini of California has assigned a $12 billion bill to fight homelessness. $12 billion. 
And it's funny that that headline should uh, leap to the fore because I've just gotten done reading an article on a website called Cal Matters. It reports on California politics. And the reason you care about this if you're not in Cal Unicornia is that it's such a great example. Well, you know, you call the state's laboratories a democracy. Different things are tried. And if your state government has any sense whatsoever, it looks at the other states, what they're doing and how it's working out. I think there's probably not as much of that as there should be, but but there should be. Um, uh, it turns out homelessness is now taking center stage in the recall election in Cal Unicornia. Uh, they mentioned that Newsom made reducing homelessness a key part of his gubernatorial campaign in 2018, but the unsheltered population has increased 24% since then. Gosh, what would have happened if it wasn't uh, one of his key pledges? Uh, about 161,000 people living on the streets in California. 161,000. Wow. What do you explain? Uh, use as an explanation for the increase? I know I've got my thoughts. But... I think the easier you make it to live outdoors and be a bum slash junkie, the more of it you're going to get. Yeah, it's the great conundrum of this whole deal that uh, a lot of blue states, blue politicians, blue cities don't want to deal with. It would seem it's pretty clear that the more money you throw at this, the more homeless we end up with. Tell me that's not true. Tell me that whatever town you're talking about, Portland, Seattle, Davis, California, wherever, that the more services you come up for the homeless, the more homeless you end up with. Tell me that's not true. Having traveled a bit uh, lately, Boise, Missoula, Austin, you name it. You name it. So I'm going to hit you with a bunch of kind of disparate little sentences and paragraphs. The reason I'm doing this, but my point is how floundering the response has been, how nobody knows nothing. Everybody is guessing. The data is murky at best. So let me just, again, hit you with a couple of things. Uh, first of all, 57% of voters uh, rate Mussolini's uh, performance on homelessness as poor or very poor. Only 13% labeled it good or excellent. I would like to know, you 13%, what are your standards precisely? Good or excellent. So they mention uh, the Republicans have ideas. <laughs> no kidding, what? <laughs> I mean... It, uh, well, at least he didn't set fire to the homeless or shoot them into space. Whatever. I, I don't, what are your standards? So they mentioned that the U.S. has mostly embraced a housing-first strategy since the early 2000s. Simple idea. Give people access to stable housing. Job training and medical treatment will follow, and it'll be uh, great. It'll Everything will uh, work out. And yet there's growing frustration, particularly among Republicans, that the strategy isn't working. And indeed, other experts are touting the opposite model. A person has to stay on the concrete parking lot outside a shelter and test negative for drugs before entering. And then they mentioned several people running for office I like uh, in the California. Taking, I like the testing negative for drugs, man. That's going to weed out a ton of people. And, yeah. and that's when you, maybe you're going to finally realize, some of you uh, people with blinders on, that this is a drug addict problem above probably anything else. Doug Osi is a former congressman. He's running for Gumber. Says we need to stop enabling, excusing, and ignoring these drug addiction, mental health issues. He wants to make it easier to bring homeless people into the state's custody than establish enough community care centers to treat drug addiction and mental illness. He also proposes that state-funded facilities demand sobriety from all individuals receiving services. So there you have a couple of uh, polar opposites. Uh, let's see. Flipping down now. 
Uh, candidates uh, have a point that more mental health treatment is sorely needed. Board and care facilities for low-income Californians with serious mental illness have been shuttering across the state at an alarming rate. The state budget for next fiscal year includes $805 million for counties to purchase, build, preserve, or rehabilitate such facilities. The prevalence of mental illness among the homeless is a source of debate. And being on the street can worsen existing mental health conditions. There is a general agreement among experts and elected officials that mental illness alone isn't responsible responsible for homelessness. Of the 250,000 people who accessed homeless services last year, 41% reported disabling conditions, which could be anything from diabetes to a broken leg to a mental disorder. So that number doesn't help us at all. Nope. UCLA did a study, found that one-fifth of people experiencing homelessness in Los Angeles had a clinically diagnosed serious mental illness. One-fifth of the 37,000. Gosh darn it, though. I mean, what could that be? I'm, I'm, I don't know what the numbers are for the general population. It's not far off of that. That are diagnosed with enough depression that they're on Wellbutrin or, sure. you know, Paxil or something like that. One out of five people I know are, so that wouldn't be any different. That, that's no excuse for homelessness. And I haven't really dug into the UCLA story, um, but if it's at all reliable, and it, it's probably reasonably reliable, that says 80% of the people experiencing homelessness in L.A. do not have a diagnosable mental illness. 80%. Good way they to look are, at it. let me think, bums and junkies. That's a good way to look at it. Uh, then you get this uh, gal who's a professor at UC San Francisco who runs this uh, homelessness and housing initiative. So she's an activist. She says there's little evidence of correlation between mental health and homelessness. Instead, it's because you got the rich who can afford housing and the poor who can't. We need <sighs> lots and lots and lots of housing. It is not a housing problem. It just isn't. Well, she claims it is. Life on the street is so rough they turn to drugs. Uh, let's see. As, uh, as opposed to finding anywhere else in the country to live with help wanted signs in every window of every business in America. Then they say if housing first is really the answer, why isn't homelessness declining? In fact, it's exploding. They say because rents are increasing. Cal Unicornia is increasingly expensive. I can't living. afford the rent. I guess I'll live on the street in a tent. Who says that? I'm not going to catch a bus to Reno and find a job because there are jobs everywhere. No, I'm going to live on the street and poo on the street in San Francisco and not get on a three and a half hour bus ride to Nevada where there are, I almost used an unfortunate term, where there are many, many jobs. Well, and you got to answer this problem long before you end up to the where am I going to live today point. Uh, you know, plan ahead a little bit. Things are getting expensive around here. I'm not sure this is attainable for us. Let's come up with a new plan. Then they get into treatment for drugs and mental illness and whether it has to be voluntary or you can force people into treatment, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Tough one. one. Yeah. And and then, you know, if you force people into, well, it depends. Drug treatment, that's not going to do any good in most cases. Although, you know, there are a handful of, of stories that I've read, enough to make me think it's a sizable minority, maybe, of people who say jail saved my life. I realized I had to get off drugs. I had no choice. Or I dried out in prison and realized, uh, or jail, and I knew I didn't want to live like that anymore. But we're taking the opposite approach. Make it as easy and comfortable as possible to be a junkie. Just crazy. Well, anyway, I could bore you with more statistics, but it's pretty clear that there are fundamental disagreements about what's going on. And then the proposed solutions are spectacular 
spectacularly expensive. Oh, and I left out to, I left out one of the leads here. Um, the the audit of all of this found that um, there is in there is no accountability or standards for success. So the money's just poured into it, and it goes to someone. Hmm. Always remember that somebody's getting this money. But again, there's no accountability. There's no idea of any of this stuff works. What's the over on under uh, about they spend the twelve billion dollars and you have more homeless people at the end? I would. Uh, I'm guessing that's what happens. I think it's it's practically guaranteed. And again, Gavin Mussolini has dedicated twelve billion more dollars, taxpayer dollars, to throwing money at it and hoping. I guess. So a shocking announcement out of one of the organizers of the Olympics that are about to happen in Japan. Shocking announcement just moments ago. Also, I would consider it maybe my top duty as a dad to feed my kids. Might be number one. It's certainly in the top couple. No longer necessary, apparently. We're uh, we're going a different direction in America. The whole parents having to feed their kids thing. Bunch of different things to talk about. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, and there is a crowd around them. It, let's listen in. That's hours ago. World's richest man getting out of the space capsule, having gone into space, kind of. Uh, a lot of the headlines say near space. Um, I don't. I don't know what's going on. So, the very edge of space. Yeah, the edge of space. Why not go all the way into space? Somebody's smart. We have a lot of smart people listening. Come on. What keeps you from actually going to space? Why are all these rich people just going to the edge of space? We got this text. Just gonna say, call them astronauts is an insult to the astronauts that went through all the blood, sweat, and tears for years. Oh, and they actually went into space. Branson, Bezos, and Musk are space tourists, not astronauts. Space tourists is probably a lot closer to what they are. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's legit. Yeah, and and this is not the Apollo mission. This is uh, private companies making it clear that it is possible and and reasonably economical to expand space travel to uh, well, outside of NASA, I think it's it's great. You're really, it's not it's not you know Earth change, life changing. Be- Bezos, calm down. You're no different than that monkey the Russians used to shoot into space. Yeah. That's what you are. It's funny they sounded just like people getting off a really good roller coaster ride, didn't it? Woo-hoo! The way they're hooting and hollering. That was great. So this is kind of interesting. They were uh, doing a little press conference this morning there in uh, Tokyo, Japan, about the uh, upcoming Olympics, and the Olympics chief didn't rule out Tokyo canceling the games entirely. Hmm. Uh, now, uh, you could nitpick and say, okay, it's one of those stories where they didn't rule it out. Okay, so they, but nah, ah, it seems like something you would rule out, doesn't it? Yeah. Unless, unless there's some talks being had about can't. I mean, because otherwise you'd know we're going to have the games, but there might be some limitations. And no, nope, they did not rule out canceling them entirely because COVID has just taken over Tokyo like crazy. The new Delta strain. So, wow, you'd think because you can you can rule it out and then go ahead and do it when circumstances dictate. 
So I would, I, in fact, that would be my strategy. Oh, there's no chance we're doing that. We're forging ahead with the excitement of the 2021 Japan Games. I, blah blah blah. Then I go into a meeting and say, "Look, do we have to cancel it or what?" I don't. You know, I think they didn't rule it out because I think it's really on the table that they're going to have to cancel the dang thing. They're going to have so many people with COVID because their vaccination rate is very, very low there in Japan. Mm-hmm. But they're not allowed into the Olympic Village, are they? Unless they've been quadruple tested, then they have to stay there and such. But all the all the organizers and people who work there and do traffic and just all the things that go on in, in the city of Tokyo for the Olympics, all those people are going to have COVID. Yeah, it could be. Could be. There's been an outbreak among the South American, I'm sorry, South African soccer team. One of our uh, tennis players had to pull out a reserve gymnast. So Several basketball players on the men's and women's team. Next segment, I'm going to talk about this giant school lunch program that is being proposed in the biggest state in America. I hope it's not coming to a state near you, but we're just doing away with the idea that parents should feed their kids. Just That's something the, the state does. Yeah, you just pop out a kid and the government will take care of it. Do you It'll remember? Indoctrinate it from age three and pre-K and... Do you remember voting on this or discussing it or debating it or anything like that? Or candidates running on the idea that the government supplies food for kids? I don't remember that. Yeah, those gut-wrenching debates about responsibility and independence and all that. No, I I missed those. I don't know. I must have been out of town. So uh, from Japan to China, uh, they mentioned that there are plenty of concerns related to national security threats regarding Chinese-owned technology companies that conduct business in the United States. And it appears those worries were well-founded when a top Chinese TV manufacturer that has gained success in the North American market admitted that its t- TVs have been spying on users. Who is it, Sony? Now, they're... Sony is not Chinese. Uh, they're <laughs> claiming that it was just people in China. Uh... Skyworth Group Company, a Chinese holding company that sells at least six TV models in the U.S., noted in a statement that a third-party application called Gozen Services on its Android TVs had been collecting more data than what was previously believed. What was the TV we all had as kids? What was the big TV brand back then? Zenith. Zenith. Is it Zenith spying on me? Z- no, no. They're Curtis, Curtis Mathis. Is my Curtis Mathis TV spying on me? No. Uh, let's see. They, I was looking at the different brands, but that's not really helpful information. Kids, those were good times back in the day. Our TV would just go, it just, uh, just go black at some point, and so you'd call the TV repairman, and then like three weeks later, they would fix your TV, <laughs> and they had to order a new tube or something like that. Instead of going to the store and for the price of a, uh, you know, uh, an expensive meal, having a new television that afternoon, you right? Would fix your television, right? Okay, and, boomer. Anyway. Okay, boomer. Okay, Booma. Anyway, this uh, Chinese TV company says, oh, we're shocked and outraged. We can't believe this app would do that. We're going to correct it. Don't you worry. The Chinese government won't spy on you. Yeah, well, if you believe that, you are a jackass. Yeah, my Magnavox TV never spied on me. I'll tell you that. Huh? Excellent. Excellent old brand reset. (laughs) Very good, sir. Very enjoyable. Excellent. Brands of television of the 70s. <laughs> well, well bellowed, my friend. I was just I was thinking back to watching our TV. Man, was that that was rough. If you had gotten a glimpse of big screen HD, oh my you gosh. know, in 1975, your head would explode. We watched the 1980 Olympics with uh, with a hockey team winning on a 13-inch black and white. I remember it like it was yesterday. The entire time you thought it was a volleyball match. <laughs> 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On a summer night in Paris, American artist Lee Krasner is drifting off to sleep when the phone rings. On the line, news that her husband, Jackson, is dead. Jackson, as in the painter Jackson Pollock. He might, to this day, be the most mythologized figure in American art. But how much of the story that we've been told about him is just that, a myth? On Death of an Artist, Season 2, Krasner and Pollock, the story about how the art world changed forever. And the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting. Just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Speaking of OK Boomer, here's one where I'm really late to the party and fighting a fight that ended quite a while ago. Uh, Advocacy journalism is journalism. That's where we are today, according to a whole bunch of leading lights of uh, of, uh, journalism schools and uh, some of your big time writers. So we'll talk about that coming up in a little bit. I need I need to let go of these old-fashioned notions that, no, 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 as a journalist, you're supposed to just dig for the truth and try to present it in an unbiased way. No, 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 that is not the case anymore. I am I am a boomer. I'm not actually technically a boomer, but I have a boomer attitude of, that, of, of something that is gone. Gone, gone, gone. Right. Well, not only is, well, it is gone. It's, it, and it's been completely replaced with, you know, editorialism. 
Uh, and you can't find the straight news story. It's it's very difficult. Uh, more on that in just a little bit, because it's pretty interesting. So California, biggest state in the country, is about to launch the biggest free school lunch program in the entire country. Speaking of advocacy journalism, I've uh, searched around and come across several versions of the story. They're all super cheerleading for the idea of more free lunches for more people without anybody tossing in a, what it costs or aren't parents supposed to feed their kids or anything like that. Nobody or, even or touching even, on it. Is there a legitimate need for the giant government program? Well, the the need is, uh, and we've been talking about this for years, the, the idea that if you have any kids that are hungry, they feel bad or their parents feel bad. And so we don't want to stigmatize people, so better to give free lunch is to all kids. That way nobody feels stigmatized. Well, right, and then the phony statistic of food insecurity. At any time in the last year, were you concerned that you might not have enough food? So when uh, classrooms open in California here in a couple of weeks, all 6.2 million public school students have the option to eat school meals for free, regardless of the family's income. So they're doing away with the whole income thing. And i got to believe that over time, more and more people will take advantage of that and just think, why am I paying double? I'm a taxpayer. I'm paying for my kids' lunch and the lunch that they're not eating. So... I guess I'll just take the free lunch. I uh, say I don't want to come off as a jerk here, but, well, I'll just say it. I would be ashamed if I couldn't afford to feed my kids, if I had to ask for government help. I'd be embarrassed. I'd be ashamed and embarrassed, and I think I should be. I think that I have crafted my life in such a way that I can't afford to feed my kids is really not a good look for me. And, well, for all of human history, the idea that I have produced a child, but I can't care for it. That was deeply shaming. And it should be. And if we eliminate any idea of responsibility or shame around having and feeding and and taking care of a kid, well, we're doomed. You think that'll result in better care for kids? (laughs) Do you, my utopian friends? Yeah. It's astounding Long how little... Long before you get to the point that you can't afford to feed your kid, you got to decide, I need a new career. I need to live somewhere else where it's a lot cheaper. I need to do a change all kinds of things. I need to stop having an iPhone with a $200 a month service plan. I need to change all kinds of things in my life long before I get to the point that I can't afford to feed my kid. Well, and or i got to quit doing drugs. i got to get on the straight and narrow and be a, be a man. Well, be they, a woman. And they always quote people from very, they, they quote people from San Luis Obispo mom, who is a rent, blah, 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 working two jobs. They always quote these people from some of the most expensive places to live in the entire world. You can't afford to live there by definition. So you got to move somewhere else. You know why I never, I always thought it'd be cool to live in New York City. You know why I never did? I never had a job that would have paid me enough to live there. I couldn't afford to live there. So I didn't go. If I went and I got there, and then I said, I can't afford to feed my kids. Would somebody do a news story about uh, Jack Armstrong, who says the rents are too high with his current uh, income to feed his children? I live in the most expensive city in America. (laughs) I shouldn't have moved here. Find a place where you can afford to have kids or don't have kids. Collectivism denies you your individuality. It, den- it, 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 it imprisons you as it claims to lift you up. It really is. The lack of insight amazes me. How people don't think, okay, what 
next? What will this change? What will the results of this policy be? Nobody even asks that. The idea of a kid being at school hungry is just horrifying to me. I'm not so hard-hearted that that doesn't... It's just terrible. The idea of a little kid being hungry and not having any food is awful. But we can't craft a society where we give everybody everything. It doesn't work. It's been tried over and over again. It doesn't work. You eliminate the responsibility to take care of you and your family, and people don't rise to the occasion, they lower to the occasion. They sink down to whatever thing is provided for them, and they just become nothings. It's happened over and over again around the world. See Cuba. Right, right, right. It's, well, I, and I can't I, believe, so once again, another another step down the road of socialism, and you voted for who who was advocating this position? You watched what debate where they were discussing this? No, these things just happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of it's that the Department of Agriculture props up the farmers and buys up yep. excessive output and the rest of it. they got to do something with it. The most socialism pro, uh, part of government is the Department of Agriculture, man. They are pro-socialism there. Oh, and, yeah. they, and they keep having uh, secretaries of agriculture that are, just seem to be flat-out socialists. Yeah, yeah, partly for their own purposes. You know, but it's again, it's nothing that was voted on or discussed or debated. So, so tell me if I'm right or wrong, if I'm just a completely out of line meanie. Uh, text line 415295KFTC. And I'd actually like to hear these arguments. I'm not just trying to, like, you know, do a talk radio thing. Oh, who's who? Who agrees with me? That sort of thing. Tell me that that, tell me I'm wrong. You can't have a society where you provide the government, the, the state provides. The things, the very basic things that we're supposed to provide in our lives. Yeah, I would say where the state takes over the responsibilities of parents. And not only food, but also indoctrinates them, teaches them right from wrong, teaches them that they're evil if they're white, for instance. Well, and, and now kids then are going to grow up with the idea, no, the state feeds you. It's not responsibility of you. When you grow up and you're a parent, it's not your job to figure out how to feed your kids. Right. The state feeds your kids. And then, of course, since it is an entitlement, you begin to feel entitled. You pop out a kid and then say, where's the food for my kid? When are you going to give my kid food? Unbelievable. When I think the rest of us, when we're getting ready to decide to have kids, start thinking about our financial situation and how am I going to afford this, how am I going to afford that, not who's going to provide this for me. What the hell? Yeah, I know. Text I line four one five two nine five kftc I look forward to some of the texts and we'll continue the discussion. What's discouraging to me is that, except for the young who haven't heard this argument, uh, among adults, what we're saying is either so incredibly self-evident and so important, uh, people already know it, they know it to their bones, or they're utterly flabbergasted by that point of view. They can't even, what are you talking about? Are you in favor of children starving? Oh my God! So uh, I'll read some of the text when we come back, and I want to talk about advocacy journalism is journalism now. And i got to quit. Uh, I need to pull my head out. And catch Give it on. up. Right. Exactly. So this got a fair amount of attention yesterday. Prince Harry is going to write a book. He's going to publish his memoirs. He got a $20 million upfront uh, chunk of money from Random House. But his kids still get free government food. And I guess there's some concern that he's going to, like, really pull back the curtain. Concern among royals. I don't care. But there's some concern among the royal family that he's going to really pull back the curtain on the whole royal family thing. I don't know if that's what he's setting out to do or not. Oh, golly. How will I sleep tonight? (laughs) about that. (laughs) 
Do you think that's what he's up to? That would be something if he wrote a book where he said, look, my life has been absurd from day one. Listen to the stupidity that goes on here. Oh, yeah. And just, well, just... and for $20 million, he ought to. Give us something, bud. Give us something. Yeah, there better be some good nuggets in there. Oh, hey, I have two quick notes. Number one, I think it's on uh, Kindle, or you can go to Amazon, which is the Kindle thing. The story is called Red Alliance Rising. R-E-D? R-E-D. Red, as in the commies. Red Alliance Rising. Written by a good friend of the Armstrong and Getty show. Oh. Compelling right, action right, right. adventure. That's funny. I didn't know to, to recognize the title immediately when you said it. Yeah, I've been, I, I've been part of this process from the beginning. And, and you will recognize many Armstrong and Gettyisms in the text. <laughs> All right, to the point that I called the author a thieving bastard yesterday. Oh, awesome. Uh, secondly, uh, I and this is this is odd, but I was reading that article about the uh, the Chinese TV spying on people, and they had to go into Google Translate for the users' agreements. So click, yeah, I agree. Blah blah blah. Listen to this. These Chinese TVs. Uh, to, 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 to collect information about what smart devices do you have at home, all your phones, the rest of it, whether your mobile phone is at home, who is connected to the Internet at home, what are the names of all your neighbor's Wi-Fi services, and they can collect and update that stuff anytime. Uh, so, in theory, the information could be potentially used to geolocate the TV and track the movements of mobile devices. The thing scans my family's connected devices every 10 minutes and sends back the host name, Mac, IP, even the network delay time. It also detects the surrounding Wi-Fi names, uh, blah, 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 blah. Wow. So it's a giant geolocating every signal around you network sniffer thing through your smart TV. You're Chinese-made smart so TV. So don't buy Chinese TVs. That's, is that the lesson here? Uh, or probably any others, for that matter. But, yes, certainly not the Chinese ones. Okay. So the end of journalism. A uh, friend wrote a book. We got lots of... Oh, and any texts on the whole free lunch thing? What's your view of this? Is this just a good idea for America? Or socialism on the march? You can email us if you like. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com or the text line, once again, 415-295-KFTC. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Surely, I hope, if you've been listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show for long enough, you know when we say free, we know it means taxpayer uh, paid for. There's no, nothing is free. So, uh, California about to launch the biggest free lunch program in America. Every student, regardless of income, is eligible for free food. Did all we taxpayers get together and vote on we're going to feed each other's kids? How about I keep my money, you keep your money, and we give our kids food they like to eat? Because so many of these texts are about the age-old problem of the kids hate the food at school, and it just gets thrown in the trash. So Mm -hmm. nobody's getting anything, really. Anyway, I'll read through some of the texts here. Uh, And we got quite a few on uh, launching this giant school lunch program, which I'm against. I think the government taking away the responsibility for feeding my own child. Really, my number one responsibility I've got in my life at the point I became a parent is feeding my own kid. And you're going to take away my number one responsibility. Right. Which is, 
You think that's a good thing? I don't think that's probably a good thing. Anyway, my kids' school started all free lunch this year. My boys tell me that most of the kids throw out most of their lunch anyway due to the new healthy changes that they made about two years ago. So with all the ver- the variety of uh, super health things that they do, it doesn't taste good, so the kids don't like it, so it ends up in the trash. As I team- remember when uh, when Michelle Obama made everything extra healthy, and they, they had such enormous amounts of throwaway that they had to rescind the orders. Uh, lots of people saying that, though. As a teacher, the food that is wasted is heartbreaking and immoral. Uh, talk to a local school food distribution program worker. He said there's so much fraud and double dipping in this program. I'll bet. I'll bet there is. Can we ask to see if parents have a ton of expensive tattoos before they get a free food handout? Uh, reading of text is not something or other, something or other. I'm just reading <laughs> text. Uh, I can show Re- you. Retweets are not endorsements. I can show you how to feed your own kid on the cheap. Plan ahead and buy in bulk with a friend or two. The dollar store sells loaves of breads for a dollar. Peanut butter and jelly is cheap, and it's what the kids want to eat anyway. They won't throw that away. Another one. My first grader has to take a free meal every day. They throw it away every day. Uh, I work in Reno, Nevada. All students are offered free breakfast and free lunch. Sure, yeah. What really bothers me is uh, uh, so much of the food is thrown in the trash. I'd love at the very least to give it to the homeless, but no, it's against the law to give it to the homeless, so we throw it in the trash. you got to love that. you got to love that. A government program to feed the kids, and if the kids don't want to eat it, you are just against the law to give it to the homeless because we got a separate taxpayer-paid program to give meals to the homeless over in this building. So you throw that food away and spend more taxpayer money by giving different food over there. Freaking unbelievable. Well, the waste part of it is is awful, and it, it just goes to show you how these programs work. There's a tremendous amount of expense and very little uh, very little effect. But what bothers me more is is the more, I don't know, existential change it causes in people. I It's not my responsibility to feed my child, to care for my child, to look after my child. It's the government's. And once that, that once you agree, and this this is fundamental, folks. Once you agree that that child isn't your child, it's the government's child. Well, you're not going to like where it goes from there. And, and there are plenty of people on the left who want that. I've talked more than once about my Marxist professor in college who who said the whole nuclear family, the parents raising the children thing is it's a symbol. It's a system of oppression. The state should be raising children. Once again, reading text is not an endorsement. Now back to the text line. Are poor kids starving? Just walk the beach near any L.A. low-income area. Most of the kids are not hungry. They're fat. Many are obese, as are mom and dad. Right. Uh, We do have an epidemic of childhood obesity, particularly among the poor. So that's kind of interesting. I agree with you. It's ridiculous to offer free lunch to some and not to others. We have them come to school. We need to feed them. Breakfast and dinner is above the call, but lunch, I'm fine with it. Okay. There's one who's uh, on board with the free lunches. Taking away your responsibility to feed your own children. Put it in the hands of the government. I think you are completely crazy. Who wants to eat? Who the f*** wants to eat? Go have something to eat. Hooray! Show me an example of successful civilizations where the state provided the food for people. You know, I suppose you could make an argument that just lunch is part of the school day, uh, so it's just you, that you don't have to bother. It's part of what your tax money goes to. And our parents it's a change just, in society. And I guess our parents were just dumb suckers thinking they had to provide a lunch for us every single day. 
Right, right, yeah. Hey, this is a related topic. I got this note from Brian, and we will post this as soon as possible at armstrongandgetty.com. But he said he got sucked in by an, an ad that he actually watched the whole 30 seconds for, and it was for books written by Connor Boyack, who's evidently part of a free market think tank in Utah. Um, and uh, long story short, he's written books for kids that explain socialism to them. And the downside of it, and and the upside of free markets, and that sort of thing. The Tuttle Twins uh, books teach the ideas of freedom. I love that. Yeah, uh, I'm not aware of that. Yeah, let me see if I can get to some of the uh, the particulars of it. Um, bah, 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 bah. I should have shouldn't have closed that email because it explained it pretty well. Um, Each book in the series focuses on different aspects of the principles of a free society. Free markets, competition, individual rights, the non-aggression principle, personal responsibility, protectionism, and a variety of other issues all boil down to core concepts that children of different ages can easily grasp. It's TuttleTwins.com. TuttleTwins.com. Again, we'll post that at ArmstrongandGetty.com. The world's richest man, speaking of capitalism, Jeff Bezos went into space today. He finally did an interview now that he's back on terra firma about what it was like to be in space. We'll play that for you to kick off Hour 3. If you miss an hour of the Armstrong and Getty Show, you can go to armstrongandgetty.com to pick that up in podcast form and listen to it at one and a half times speed, which I understand is hilarious. Oh, you know, interesting and ironically, uh, I was just looking at their, their new study about the number of adults who have no children and have no interest in ever having children in the United States. I would like to hear that. As you might guess, it's much higher than it's ever yeah. been before. And they changed the way they measure it. And so it, it, it's not one of those situations where we can say it's risen 20% in the last mm. 10 years because they realized they were measuring it poorly. Why are you all allowing this to happen? Why are you the childless allowing the government to take your tax money and feed other people's kids? I'm perfectly fine with you as a childless person saying, how don't you feed your own kid? You decided to have a kid. Figure out a way to feed them. That seems perfectly reasonable to me. Because we've been thoroughly infected with the socialism disease at this point in the country, and I think we're past the tipping point. People buy the premises. Boy, it's, it's interesting. Some of the, the, the least childed, the most childless areas of the country are paying for free food for all the kids. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, what about the adults? I'm a human, too. I deserve food. Uh, medium rare, please. Thank you. Armstrong and Getty. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.
Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.